All right. Okay, well, good morning. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the firehouse. Thanks for joining us this morning. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll uh, jump into this uh, the series we're in right now. So, anyways, if you guys would, let's just bow our heads together for uh, another prayer here. Well, Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for... Uh, bringing us all together here to hear from you, to sing to you and worship you. And Lord, I do pray that that you would give us ears to hear from you this morning. Lord, each one of us, Lord, you know what's going on in our life. You know things down to great detail. And I just pray you would speak to us, Lord, and that we would um, be blessed because we've heard from you. Lord, I pray that you would just speak through me, speak in whatever ways you need to in spite of me. God, I I just pray that uh, you would help us in in the verse we're going to look at here today, that you would help us to obey it. Lord, to take action, to be um, take action that we might not have taken before, to take action afresh. God, we just ask you to help us as a church to continue to um, bring you glory, to bring you great glory. We ask this morning would count for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Let's see here. Um, we are uh, in a series here. If you're new with us, this is a series just about the purpose of the Firehouse Church, kind of on our vision. And we've been talking about um, just bringing great glory to God by obeying the great commandment and the great commission. Um, but before we jump in, uh, we do have handouts and pens if you need one. Um, Alan could get you one if you need one. Just raise your hand and we'll, we'll get those to you. But um, so we've got... Uh, some, some handouts just so you can jot down notes. I do have a few blanks to fill in there. But before we start, I thought I'd give you an update. I shared a story with you last week about my family and our, our plot to catch Jumpy Squirrel. Uh, it's been coming around our yard. We've got the trap set. And uh, we've been continuing. I think what it's turned into is we've been feeding the neighborhood squirrels through our trap now. So with not so much success in actually trapping them. But we do have an exciting late-breaking update as of this morning, uh, I went. I was coming home from the prayer meeting to pick up my family and bring them here. And Morgan said she actually caught jumpy squirrel in the trap. And so she uh, she said there were about uh, three three squirrels out there, you know, having having breakfast, I guess. And uh, um, she she saw it and she got to the string. You know, it's one of those basic chest milk cart stick and string. You know, and so uh, we've been hoping that he might just knock the stick over on his own and be, catch himself. But that hasn't happened. It hasn't worked so well. But uh, she, Morgan happened to be nearby, saw them out there, got to the string. At one point, she pulled it, and she was not sure if she caught anything or not. But then she realized she actually caught a squirrel in there. And so, um, but she said that uh, it was there for several minutes inside the milk crate, and the squirrel like squeezed out. You know the little handholds that you carry the milk crates by. They don't seem like they're that big, and they're really not. Greg Miller said, you know, can't they get out of those? I'm like, no, there's no way a squirrel can get out of those. But evidently the squirrel kind of morphed and squeezed out of that and jumpy squirrel is uh, on the run again. So, uh, so we're going to keep trying that, but we actually had him in captivity for two minutes, I think. So that was a fun little thing. And Morgan actually, you know, I mentioned last week, she's not you know, I'm thinking we'll catch the squirrel and eat it. The kids want to turn it into a pet and Morgan's just like, it's a rodent. What do we want with a rodent in our house? And so, But she's the one that caught it. So that was pretty cool. 
Just for the record, we uh, we're having dinner with the Chambers this week, uh, Brian and Kendra. And Brian actually, uh, somewhere along the way, I know it was a part of the, the dating process, but uh, he and Kendra were camping, and he actually caught a squirrel and cooked it. Is that right, Brian? He <laughs> <laughs> did. Yeah. She said it was uh, the, the little drumsticks are kind of chewy or something like that. So if you ever want to know a recipe for squirrel, talk to Brian. There. <laughs> uh, he probably didn't want me to share that, but I Fair game there. So, anyway, we're going to get back on the subject here. Um, it's exciting news. We have some other news, other good news to talk about here. Um, but, uh, anyways, this week we are. Um Part three, we've been going through uh, kind of the purpose statement of the firehouse here. And so I've shared it with you the last several weeks, and we're going to get a little crazy here and see if you actually are remembering what the purpose of the firehouse church is. So um, the purpose of the firehouse church is to bring great glory to God by, by thinking about, no, by obeying the great well, yeah, what did we talk about last week? Yeah, the great commandment and the great commission. So we are trying to bring great glory to God by obeying the great commandment and the great commission. Uh, first week we talked about just bringing glory to God it has a lot to do with when anything in creation fulfills its God-given purpose. It brings glory to God. We've been looking at several of the extremely clear purposes God has given us. The great commandment is His loving God supremely, which we talked about last week. And this week we're going to talk about the Great Commission, obeying the Great Commission. So, um, you know, an obvious question we have to tackle before we get started is, what in the world is the Great Commission? You know, if you've been around church for a while, you might go, I know what that means. Uh, If you haven't, you know, sometimes I think it takes people a little while to figure out the Great Commission doesn't have to do with the pastor's paycheck and things like that. You know, he gets a Great Commission out of the church or something. That's that's a bad one there. Just in case you're confused, it doesn't have to do with that. Um, but there's really the Great Commission um, is the final. I think we've got it in our notes here. Is that um, it's really the, the final instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples after his resurrection and and before he ascended into heaven. That was kind of the last set of instructions. And it was kind of like in some ways that everything up to that point had built up. To, you know, he, he trained them, he taught them to love one another, he equipped them, and then finally he says, now here. Here is what you are to do. After he proved he was God in the flesh by overcoming death, he said, all authority has been given to me, and here's what I want you to do. And so, um, I'm going to have to get the laser out here a little bit. I see someone that needs a little laser action. Yeah, right there. Okay. Uh, we'll keep those eyes going there. I want to see the glistening from the laser there. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so the Great Commission really can be summarized as two verses that kind of encapsulate his final instructions. Each gospel has a set of instructions that he gave at the very end, but there's two of them that stand out and kind of summarize it all. And so those two verses are this one in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And this says, uh, he said to his disciples, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. 
This is one of his last instructions here. And another one is very similar. Um, but it says this. You know, he said before this, he says, All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. That was true, but after the resurrection, it kind of became a little more, uh, you know, it was, it was true before, but it had a little more backing behind it as he overcame death. He says, So for the record, I do have all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so these two verses really encapsulate the Great Commission. To bring glory to God by the Great Commandment, love God supremely, and the Great Commission. And it really has two parts. The first part has to do with them. Let's see if we've got blanks on this one here. The, the, really, the, the great commission has to do with loving our neighbors. There's God, loving God supremely. Jesus said, hey, the first and foremost, love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And he said the second is like it, love your neighbors as yourself. And really the great commission has to do with loving our neighbors. And we have two, two types of neighbors, right? Everyone know what those two types are? There's neighbors you like and there's neighbors you don't like, right? That's the two types of neighbors we're supposed to love. No, there's two types that, a little more spiritual definition. There's those that are, um, those that are lost as far as God says they have been lost from a relationship with me. And Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. There's those who don't believe in Jesus and have that relationship with Him. Um, and we're to love them by sharing the good news about Jesus with them. That's also known in general as evangelism. The other part of reaching our, or loving our neighbors is, is loving the saved, those who do know um, Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we love them by helping them be His disciples. He said, go make disciples, build disciples, serve and love people and help them become disciples. And so this week, we're just gonna we're gonna focus in on the the evangelism, the loving our neighbors who don't know Christ. Next week, Jeff is gonna teach on on the second part of the Great Commission, which is building disciples, which is building up and serving those who do believe. And so, um, let's see here. So now that we know what the Great Commission is, uh, the question becomes, why Why should we preach the good news? We're talking about the evangelism side. Why should you and I preach the good news? Um, and the first answer might be fairly obvious on that one. Because Jesus commanded us to. This verse in Mark 16:15 is Jesus basically saying to you and I, He said to His disciples, and then He also told His disciples, hey, by the way, everything I'm commanding you, teach that to others. And so they were commanded to do this, and they were told to teach that to others until, you know, to the very end of the age. And so um, we've been commanded to preach the good news. And so um, one thing, you know, we have to watch for a few things on that. Um, I think an easy trap to fall into is, well, what about the Bible that talks about the gift of evangelism? You know, evangelists are supposed to evangelize, right? They've got the gift. I don't got the gift. Good for them. Go get them. I'll cheer for you. But, you know, that's not my cup of tea. But is that what this verse says here? You know, does it say, hey, therefore all you evangelists go and, and reach people? Now, he said it to all the disciples. A few of them were specifically mentioned as evangelists. Philip was mentioned as an evangelist, but he told them all to go preach the good news. And so, we just want to make sure we don't fall into that, that trap of thinking, of, not everybody is gifted as an evangelist. 
Um, but everyone is commanded to evangelize. And we need to catch that. We need to realize that. Because the job of an evangelist, there's certain gifts out there. The Bible says, hey, some of these gifts, they're called equipping gifts. And there, there's a list of them in, uh, I think, Ephesians chapter 4. And it says, hey, apostles, prophets, uh, Pastors, teachers, evangelists are to equip the saints for acts of service. And so if someone is truly gifted in evangelism, well, their responsibility is not to do that for the whole church. Their responsibility is to equip everybody to obey this command. Not everybody is uh, gifted to preach the good news, but everyone is commanded to. Um, Something we have to think about is uh, just the scope of this command. Jesus said to his disciples, I love how the the Living Bible puts it like this. It says that you are to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. What's the scope of this command? Everyone, everywhere. It's just the neighborhood of Denver, right? Or is it bigger than that? Really, the scope of this command is worldwide evangelism. Jesus said, hey you. You know, he was talking to 12 people at the time. He says, hey you, reach the world with the good news. You know, and um, sometimes I think we, we bring the scope down to be like, yeah, if I could just reach a few people around me, that's a pretty good life. Sometimes, uh, you know, I've seen people wrestle with the question, you know, um, we can get philosophical, go, philosophical and uh, go, you know, do you actually believe? Do you believe um, we could reach the world in this generation? We wrestle with that question. Maybe I'll ask that question to you. Do you believe that we, even if it was just this church that was to reach the world, do you think we could reach the world with the good news in this generation? Some of you might go yes, and some of you might go, I'd like to say yes, but I really don't think so. Um, Sometimes we find ourselves wrestling with that and have great searching of heart and things like that. But the reality is, I think a better question is this. Do you believe that Jesus has commanded this generation to reach the world? And I think the more I reflect on the Great Commission and this part of it, I really think he's saying, hey, you, reach the world. You, reach everyone everywhere. This is your generation. This is your command. Let's get it done. And not do we believe it's possible or not. He never asked the disciples if they believe they should do it or not. He just said, do it. And that command is still true for us today. And so that's, uh, our aim is huge. The world, everyone, everywhere. That's a gigantic command. And whether or not you, know, you believe it's possible or not, you better surely believe that Jesus has commanded this and figure out how in the world to do that. Because that's, that's what we're going to try to do as a church. We go, this is so big, we, we can't even get the scope on this. But somehow he's commanded it. And somehow he has everything we need to get the job done. And that's what we're going to try to do. You know, And, and obviously there's a lot of church churches that have that same vision. We are not the only church in the world trying to do that. Um, But if we were, would we have the heart to get it done? Would we have the faith to get it done? And so um, one of the things we're going to be doing as a church, which you guys have heard over the last couple weeks, is we're going to do the outreach class, which is just... um, and equipping, to, to equip people to preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. And this class is just an extremely thorough class. Uh, I think by the time you're done, you will have some, some confidence to complete the class. There's actually, it's like a lot of classes, you know. It's like uh, if you have chemistry, if you have a speech class, they usually have two parts. You have the, the teaching part of it and you have the lab part of it, right? And uh, this class is the same way. You've got the teaching part of it and you also have the lab side of it, which is actually sharing the gospel, you know, and that's going to be a part of completing the class. And uh, 
And so we're just excited. You know, we feel like this is so important that um, what, what can often happen with evangelism is it's, uh, it's, a, it's a command to be obeyed that Jesus gave, but it's probably the hardest command in the Bible to obey. It's probably the one that people have the greatest aversion to, is getting out of their comfort zone and telling someone about Jesus. It could be offensive. It, you know, it could do all sorts of things. But um, So we decided instead of schedule another meeting time to do that, what, what can often happen is you schedule it for another time and, and people who don't want to be there in the first place, they still don't show up to it and they still don't get equipped and they still don't get the skills they need to obey this command. And we decided let's pick a meeting that we have anyways. We meet every Wednesday night. Let's take this subject and put it right in front of us so that we can get equipped together, so that we can start obeying this command together. And we're just excited to see what God's going to do uh, as we go through this class here. So anyway, Jesus commanded us to do it and we're going we're gonna to try to obey that command. Um, Another reason why is um, it's just to we talked last week. Jesus said, "Hey, look, if you if you take my commands and you obey them, it's a way you can show me love. You can show me love by obeying my commands." This one again is one of the hardest commands to obey, and and therefore it brings with it the ability to show great love to God through obeying it. You know. So one question I would have to ask you is that. Uh, if, if we looked at your life and we're trying to see how much love you've shown to God and we took this verse alone, how much love have you shown to God by obeying this verse? You know, and, and you can wrestle with that. They might be, be like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. I must really love God. Or, oh, geez, do I, I love God if you don't look at it that way? Um, but Jesus said, hey, look, here's how you show me love. Obey my commands. And, and he often went into someone, you know, you could say you're born, you know, the, the Pharisees said, I'm born of Abraham. You know, who cares what we do? Well, Jesus said, you know, it's not about what you're born of. You could be born again, but if you're not proving it, we go back to wonder and see if you actually were born again, you know. And Jesus was very strong on our actions, proving our love, proving our faith. And so um, how much love uh, have you shown? You know, another thing is that you can show love to God by obeying this. The other thing is you can show God's love to people by obeying this. In, in preaching the good news and sharing the good news, you can show God how much you love Him. And you can show people who don't know Christ how much God loves them. If you've had the opportunity to share the gospel recently or any time, you know, there's just this sense when you're sharing that God, it's one of the greatest feelings I think on, the, on earth, is that God can express His love and His heart through you to another person. And when you see that connect with someone, God's love connect through you, when you see the light come on in their head and in their heart, there was, I think, almost no greater feeling than to be a part of that. And so, when you share, when you obey this command, you have the ability to show God's love, show love to Him, your love to Him, His love to others. And we need to just uh, keep that in mind. Sometimes it's easy to think that love is like, uh, you know, love is like your heart is like this reservoir and how much love you have stored in it. That's what really matters. But I think Jesus time and time again said, you know, your actions your actions prove it. It's kind of like, um, well, if you've had a physics class or something like that, um, the difference between, how many of you know the difference between potential energy and kinetic energy? Any of you know that? You know, I think about, uh, a lot of you do, uh, for better or for worse, um, but, you know, I think about the idea of, of a lake. You know, a lake has a stored up. We had a big lake where I grew up. It was the biggest lake in New Mexico, but it was a reservoir. So they put a dam on the Rio Grande River, and they backed up all the muddy water for, for miles, you know. And, uh, but 
uh, you know, sometimes we can think, oh, I have this great love. It's like this reservoir that's stored up. That's the potential of love I have. But you know, in God's currency, you know what He measures? He measures the kinetic uh, energy, the things that actually happen. Not what you have the potential for, but what actually gets expressed through your life. And how much love is getting expressed through your life by obeying His commands, by obeying this command. And, and if we look at it that way, we might think our love is not quite as big of a lake as we think it is, but it might be this little trickle that's actually making it through. And our hope is with God's help, that trickle will, will grow to a, a great roaring river of God's love being expressed through us. So that's, that's God's heart for us on that. Um, so that's why we should obey. He commanded it. We could show love to, to God and we could show God's love to others. Now we're going to look at some how. How can you and I preach the good news? You know, often um, when you're reading the Bible or you come across verses like this, we need to ask ourselves a real obvious question. It says, okay, go into all the world and preach the good news. And one thing we have to ask ourselves constantly is, yes, but how? Yes, but how? Preach the good news to all creation. Yes. But how? How are we going to do that? When you're having a quiet time, you read a really cool verse, you've got to ask yourself, okay, it makes sense. But how do I do this? How do I apply this today? How do we go out and do this? And um, that's what we're going to look at here. Um, There's a book I've been reading recently that's called Witnessing Without Fear. It's by Bill Bright, but he gives this definition of how, how to be successful at obeying this verse. We're to preach the good news. But he says that success in witnessing is simply taking the initiative to share Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. And I think that's worth repeating. Success, when we're talking about this, uh, is simply taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God. So often we associate success with evangelism with how many people got saved, how many people got you know um, baptized or responded or whatever, but we have to really realize that success as it relates to you and I is are we doing what He told us to do or not? The results are in His hand. You and I cannot save anybody. You and I cannot convert anybody. That's God's thing. But our success is... Are we giving the opportunity somewhere? Are we sharing this message that they can respond to? You know, again, we're gonna we're gonna look at some of the how-to's just based off of this um, this next verse here. You know, this is from the Living Bible, but it, I think it puts it just really clear and practical. We're to go in all the world and preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. So. Um, we're going to look at some practical. So you have your blanks here. I, if you know me in general, I'm not a big acronym person. You know, I have a hard time making the words fit without throwing in some, you know, cheesy word that uh, just has the right letter, but it doesn't actually uh, a good point or something like that. So I'm hoping, I feel like God gave me uh, an acronym to use here to take action on this verse. And these were all things that I had wanted to share. And it just so happens, by uh, the grace of God, it actually spells the word preach. So uh, this... Uh, this is, you know, you may never see this again, at least not from my teaching, but so, so hold on to this acronym. Um, but the first step is this, that uh, we are to proactively initiate with the lost. Proactively. You know, um, sometimes it's easy to think, well, there, there's a verse in the Bible that says, hey, look, if anyone asks you, be ready to give them an answer for the hope that you have. And that's a great verse, and we should all obey that, but that's not this verse. 
This verse says, hey you, if someone asks you, great, be ready. But I'm asking you to go get them. Not wait for them to come to you. If they do, be ready. But I'm telling you to go to them. We have to proactively initiate with the lost. To go is like, let's get moving. Um, you know, I think of Luke 19.10. I'm not sure if this is on your handout, but this is the one that says of Jesus. It says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That's just, there's something that's been lost. People's connection with God, their relationship with God as it was intended has been lost. Now, go get it. Go help them get it back. That was the purpose of Jesus' life, to seek and to save what was lost. We have to be proactive. You cannot obey this verse without being proactive. Uh, the next part of it is we need to reach. We need to reach them with the good news. You know, sometimes uh, I think you could... Maybe you are proactive in general. You're a very outgoing people person. You can make friends. You can schedule events. Um, well, you can do that without ever sharing Jesus. You know, and, uh, and it's nice to be a social coordinator and outgoing, but that's not to be, be confused with obeying this command of preaching the good news. You've got to bring the good news into it. Um, I think about a couple verses here. One we're going to memorize in the outreach classes, Romans 1.16. You know, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, um, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. It was fun to share that with a guy on campus there the other day. Uh, I think Luke had shared the gospel with him, but he's of Jewish background. He's wondering, yeah, well, that might be true for you guys, but what about the Jews? And was able to just reaffirm with him uh, after Luke had shared with him that, you know, the Bible says, hey, this gospel, this good news, if you believe it, you, you could be saved for starters. But at first it came to the Jews, and then it came to those who are not Jews. And so I told him, hey, this, this good news is first for you, and then for us. But the point is, it says the gospel has the power to save when someone responds by believing and so in your conversation with people if you never bring up the good news you know what's happened is you're never giving someone an opportunity to believe the good news and be saved is that going on in your friendships in your relationships you know we have to be bringing the good news into it I love uh, the Apostle Paul he puts it like this in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 I can't I'm not, you might write this verse down um, it's not in the handout here but 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 19 uh, there's about three verses here but he says this um, I'm not bound to anyone just because he pays my salary yet I have freely and happily become a servant of any and all so that I can win them to Christ when I'm with the Jews I seem as one of them so that they will listen to the gospel and I can win them to Christ when I'm with the Gentiles who who follow Jewish customs and ceremonies I don't argue even though I don't agree because I want to help them and when I'm with the heathen I agree with them as much as I can Except, of course, I must always do what is right as a Christian. And so by agreeing, I can win their confidence and help them too. When I'm with those whose consciences bother them easily, I don't act as though I know it all and don't say that they're foolish. And the result is they are willing to let me help them. Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. I do this to get the gospel to them and also for the blessing I myself receive when I see them come to Christ. But the point is, you can't obey, we can't obey this uh, without sharing the good news. If we're not sharing about Jesus, we are not obeying this verse. You know, it's the good news about Him that saves people. And so uh, we, we, we need to make sure we bring that in this class. Hopefully will help us in that as well that we're taking here. And another thing, that the E. The E is the... Uh, 
proactively share the good news with who? Everyone, everywhere. We need to share with everyone, everywhere. And, um, you know, we have in the blank here, when it comes to sharing with people, again, those who don't know Christ, there's two types of people, right? You know what the blank says here? There, again, there's those, there's those you like and those you don't. Right? And they don't write that on your form. I'm just joking. There's those you know and there's those you don't know. You know, when it comes to sharing Christ. Hopefully you like them all, right? And if you don't, that's, that's your deal, not theirs. Um, but, so there's those you know and there's those you don't know. Now, what's a common uh, a term of reaching those you know is called, uh, some people call it friendship evangelism. You, you make friends with people for the sake of trying to share the gospel with them. Or maybe they're your friends, they're your families, they're people you know, and you try to share the gospel with them eventually. Now, there's another type of evangelism. Sometimes it's called cold turkey evangelism. Um, another, probably more attractive way of saying it is initiative evangelism. It's where you take initiative in sharing the gospel, even with people you don't know. So, um, let's see here. So, in general, I think most people tend towards, towards what? Towards friendship evangelism, which is a fine thing. It's good to be friends and to be friendly uh, when, with someone you want to share the gospel with. But two errors we have to avoid in friendship evangelism, two errors that are, are very common, and uh, you may or may not have experienced these yourself. But one error is, um, you know, it's the thought that, boy, I just don't have a strong enough friendship with them yet, so I can't share Jesus with them. I need to just keep building, 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 building that friendship. And what happens is that you might never share Jesus with someone who's a friend or family because um, you just haven't gotten around to it yet. But that's the whole goal of friendship evangelism, using for friendship for evangelism, but sometimes the evangelism part never happens. The other thing that can happen is you finally get a really strong friendship with someone. Uh, they like you, you like them, they trust you, and you think, I don't want to ruin this friendship. And then you go, well, what was the whole reason you, you initiated to begin that friendship? You hope to share the good news about Christ with them, right? Two errors that happen with friendship evangelism is you, you might not ever get around to it because it's too soon or it, it could jeopardize your relationship. We have to watch out for that. Initiative evangelism is uh, it's a kind of like you're sharing with people who God gives you opportunity with. Whether you know them or not, that doesn't really matter. That's not a prerequisite. When you look at this verse... You think of those two forms of evangelism. What, what form do you think this verse relates to here? You are to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone everywhere. Which form of evangelism does that more closely relate to? Initiative evangelism. Everyone everywhere. You know, you could have said, hey, you are to make friends and anyone who you call your friends, share me with them. You know, imagine how slow that would have been. But, you know, some of these uh, first disciples, they show up in cities where they didn't know anyone. And the very first thing they start talking about is Jesus. If they had waited, if Paul had waited until he had a friendship with Lydia in the city of Philippi, you know, who knows if that church would have ever got planted. If Paul would have waited to share the gospel with the guy that had him in jail uh, until he had a good working relationship with him, that guy probably would have never got saved. But he was sharing with people who God gave him opportunity with. I heard a quote recently, I think Alan or someone was telling me about this, but Bill Bright said something like, um, uh, you know, he's known for being a, a, quite an evangelist and stuff, but he said anytime he spent time over more than two minutes with a person, he took it as a sign that God might want him to share his faith with that person. Two minutes, you know, and, uh, you know, I think you and I could probably learn, even if we said five minutes, uh, we probably would have a lot more people we felt like we should share our faith with, you know. Um, the question is, are we obeying this verse? 
Uh, I don't think people wonder if Bill Bright was obeying this verse because it, it's real clear he was. But are you and I obeying this? You know, and we need to uh, share with everyone everywhere, those we know and those we don't know. Um, and, you know, those we do know, we want to make sure we've got a good, friendly witness to them. But those we don't know, you may not know. Maybe God's been working on them and just brought you in to do the final uh, connecting them to, you know, to God through Christ. So, uh, everyone everywhere. So, a quick review. Proactively. Uh, you know, you might just be like, it's, I was trying to think of hand motions. So, proactively might be preaching or something like that. Um, reach. Where, where everyone's supposed to reach. Um, Everyone everywhere, you know, it's kind of like everyone everywhere. Um, but the next one here is we need to be asked to ask. Ask God, you might do the hand symbol for that, is to ask God for, for their salvation and your opportunities. In the outreach class that we go through, the whole thing is framed by hand motions. So, you know, some of you might know those already. Introduction, two questions. Heaven, God, you know, we're going to learn those again. But here we've got proactively, I don't know, preach, uh, reach. Everyone, everywhere, pray. Ask God for their salvation and for your opportunities. It's two parts. Some of you might be praying regularly for someone you hope will come to faith in Christ. You pray for them maybe daily. But, but I think the other part is asking for your opportunity to be the answer to that prayer. You know, it's kind of like if you pray for someone, God, please save this person. Please, I just wish you would save them. And someone else comes alongside and they share the gospel with them so that they can get saved. That's a good thing, right? That's a wonderful thing. But that's not to be confused with you obeying that verse like somebody else might do. And that's what we want to get the heart of. Hey, we're praying for their salvation. God, please save this person. Please touch their life in a way that would speak to them and bring them to faith in you and give me opportunities. Or maybe with these people, maybe with people at McDonald's who I've never met before. Um, But we need to ask for their salvation. We need to ask for opportunities. Uh, next one we need to catch we need to catch God's heart as we're um, as we're trying to do this we need to make sure we have God's heart for those who don't know Him you know sometimes it's easy just to think uh, in our own limited mindset you know God give me a love if I just if I could just love them if I could just create love well the way you do that I think really is is you just catch a small drop of God's heart you know a drop of blood from the heart of God would change your life as far as sharing your faith. And, you know, God's heart is this, Luke 15 is the one that Jesus told several parables. And it said, you know, these guys are making, they're mad at Jesus because it said he was friend of sinners and friends of, and uh, he told the parables that said, first he said, you know, if you have a hundred sheep and one of them runs away, wouldn't you go get the one and leave the 99 safely there? And another, he said, if you had ten valuable coins and if you lost one, wouldn't you sweep the whole house and look for it? And lastly, you know, he talked about a son. He had a son. Uh, he shared the parable of a father whose son turned his back on him and left and, and went and lived a wild life and wasted money, wasted his life in another land. But he eventually came back. And when it comes to the lost, you know, sometimes we don't want to use that term as a derogatory term. You know, it's a, uh, I didn't think of that term, or Jeff didn't think it up, or Brad. You know, hey, let's call people lost. That sounds fun. You know, and if they don't like it, well, tough luck. They're, you know, they're lost. But it's not, it's not like Islam where we're calling people, you know, I think of the word infidels. You call me an infidel even nicely. I'm kind of like, oh, I'm an infidel. Come on, bring it on, you know. Um, but lost, if you catch the heart of loss, loss, who's the one who has suffered the loss when it comes to this? In these parables, who's the one that has had something and they lost it? It's God. God is the one represented by the father, by the person who had the sheep and lost one, by the person who had the coins. In each case, 
the picture of God had something valuable. It was lost and he celebrated when it was found. And the one, you're not the one who suffered the loss. As someone who doesn't know God, you haven't suffered any loss at all. But God created people for loving relationship for eternity. And when that relationship is lost and, and the devil actually gets ownership, to, you know, their destination will be with him in hell. God's intention was no one would ever be in hell but the devil. But the devil has snatched people. He's blinded people. He's confused people. And God is suffering the loss of some soul who he wanted to love for eternity is not going to be with him. And they're going to perish. It's not you, oh boy, I really wish that person gets saved. No, God has a sense of loss, of eternal, an eternal sense of loss that if you just get a drop of that, uh, I think it's going to spur us on quite a bit. We need to catch His heart. The other thing again is that God knows everybody by name. God knows everybody's name. You know, it's, um, God could have said like, okay, here's the game plan. By the time the life on earth is done, I want to have six billion human units in heaven. We just need to save human units, you know. Well, each human unit has a name and they have an eternal soul, an eternal personality that makes them unique and how they can have a relationship with others and with God. And, and He loves them by name. You know, I think of the book of life that says in the end, the, the book of life will be opened up. And what do you find in the book of life? Names. It says, hey, is your name going to be in here or not? And uh, we need to get a heart for people. Uh, God's heart, but it's by name. Now you might not know 7 billion people on the planet, but you know a few. And you need to get God's heart for the few that you know. And if you have God's heart for the few that you know, watch out. Because then when you come in contact with those you don't know, you're going to have that same heart. And it could be a dangerous thing, a good thing, good sort of dangerous. But we need to catch God's heart. Um, and so, let's see here. Quick review. Proactive. We've got to be preaching proactive. We've got to reach. Um, we've got to reach everyone, everywhere. We've got to ask. We've got to catch God's heart. You know, catch, you know, catch the path right into your heart, right? And then, um, then the last one is, we've got to have. Have no hindrances when it comes to God answering your prayers or using you. Have no hindrances. Easy hand motion for that. Have no hindrances, folks. Uh-uh. Don't have any hindrances in your life um, for God to use you or to answer your prayers. And here's a few, um, you know, here's a few, few things. Uh, some of these come right out of uh, Bill Bright's book here for um, um, witnessing without fear. But he talks about some of these uh, hindrances that we can have. One is we need to watch out for unconfessed sin. You may really want to see someone saved and you may really have a sin that you're stuck in. A sin that you haven't told anyone about or a sin you haven't got right with God on. Uh, God's not going to use you to see anyone saved. God's not going to answer your prayers uh, concerning them because you've got unfinished business to deal with. Don't have unconfessed sin. Make sure you're open and honest with others and with God and you know, between God and others, there's one of them you probably have a harder time being open and honest with. Make sure you're open and honest with them. Um, another thing that can happen is we can pray for opportunities. We can pray for someone to be saved. But we're praying with unbelief. And we got to watch out for that. I know a number of us were trying to pray daily for the lost, but we're praying, and, and Brad shared a thought this morning on that. We have to pray with faith. we got to pray believing that it's going to happen. And so what can happen, you know, is, is often we're praying the same prayer over and over again. God, save this person. God, save this person. God, would you save this person? And you know what that really is kind of like communicating? It's kind of like if someone 
you, you heard the good news about Jesus and you prayed every day, God, save me today. I, I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. And then the next day, God, save me today. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. And you do it the next day. God, save what, what would you think about that person's prayer? It would be consistent, but it would not be believing because if you really believe He answered your prayer, you don't have to pray the same thing over and over and over and over every day. But we do that with the lost all the time. How many times have you prayed the same prayer for someone? Does it communicate that really maybe you don't believe God heard you the last hundred times you prayed that prayer? And Bill Bright had a powerful thought in there. He said, you know what? If you really believe that God wants to save this person, um, the Bible says He wants all men saved. He wants no one to perish. Um, that's His will. If you really believe it, when you ask Him for that, you know what you can do there on after? Thank Him that He's heard your prayer. Thank Him that He can save. Thank Him that He's sovereign and He can work it all out. But it turns into instead of asking over and over and over again without faith, you start asking, you know, the same, I remember the same happened in my own life when it came to becoming a Christian. I would hear different radio sermons and things like that, and they talked about, you can become a Christian, you can know for sure. And so I'd pray, you know, they'd say, well, pray this prayer, I'd pray this. I fall on track. They said, if you pray this prayer, then I'd pray it. I was praying it over and over again, and finally, it dawned on me that if I really believed that God wanted to save me, and He, he wanted to answer my prayer and be, become my Lord and Savior, I didn't have to pray that over and over again. And eventually, it transitioned into... Thank you for dying on the cross for me, Jesus. Thank you so much. And I didn't have to ask for that over and over again. I encourage you to get that same heart for the people you're praying for. We all have prayer lists, people we're trying to reach. We're going to make yet another prayer list for the outreach class, your top ten list. So if you don't have ten people you're praying for, get them by early this next couple weeks here. Um, But pray with faith. Stop asking over and over again if you don't really believe He's going to answer it. And if you do believe He's going to answer, start thanking Him. Start praising Him. Start changing it. Express your faith for, the, for what God's going to do there instead of having unbelieving prayers. Um, another thing we have to watch out for is just a lifestyle that might be a negative witness. You know, we're trying to win people to Christ. We're trying to be good witnesses. But maybe there's a lifestyle thing going on that um, is hindering your witness there. Um, I think he gave some questions to ask here about that. Here's some things just to think real quick. I'll breeze through this, but see if any of these might relate to your lifestyle. <clears throat> Are you inconsistent in your personal walk with the Lord? Do you often speak negatively of others and look on life in general with a negative spirit? Have you wronged your friend in any way and failed to ask forgiveness or make restitution? Have you failed to handle your personal finances responsibly, paying your bills late, making unwise decisions? Do you keep your property in good shape? It also goes on to say, do you dress and groom neatly? Maybe that part of your lifestyle is going to prevent opportunities. Um, This one, do you cheerfully nag and plead with your loved ones about spiritual things? Or is your relationship a loving, positive one? Lastly, does your life reflect a legalistic, self-righteous Christianity? Or do you present a positive, scriptural model for others to see? Make sure your lifestyle is a positive witness. You might look through those and if one of those stings a little, talk to God about it and get some change going there. Um, Another thing to watch out for is not obeying God's leading when He's giving you an opportunity. You know, I think, uh, I don't know how how many times I look at this list here. um, I've had a number of opportunities recently where I'm starting to think about this. I'm thinking about the outreach class. And as a leadership team, we talked about trying to share our faith once a week. Uh, each one of us as leaders. So, you know, 52 times a year. Some people are trying to faster pace. They want to share their faith uh, every day. 
you know, um, but we're just trying for once a week here. But I found that this one started to show up a little bit. Am I obeying the opportunities God's given me? And uh, there's been a few times where I have not. And there'll be, um, you know, sometimes I go to McDonald's. Um, recently they, they've added free Wi-Fi there, so I'll take my laptop. They've got free refills on their coffee, so I kind of like make it the firehouse office is sometimes at McDonald's, you know, right on 38th there. And um, But I remember this one guy, this older guy, uh, I'm going in there, I'm bringing my, my laptops and books and things, and um, he keeps looking at me. You know, it's like he's a regular there, I think, but he keeps looking at me, and, you know, he's one of those guys you tell, if he gets your attention, he's going to start talking. And uh, and I'm thinking, I'm trying to share with people, those are the type you want to talk to, right? It's like this person just walked into a trap. Here, you know, it's like, yeah, let's talk, let me tell you about Jesus, you know. And um, But I, I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't make eye contact. I wouldn't do it, and I, I left the store going, ah. And I'm thinking, are you obeying the opportunities that God has given you, Rich? And I had to say, no, I missed that opportunity. And and when you do that, you need to just repent. You need to have a change of heart. I had another one that uh, same thing. And I'm trying to get in the gear of obeying this verse more. Um, but I'm at McDonald's again, a different time, and I'm reading this book, Bill Bright's Witnessing Without Fear. I'm reading a chapter on transitions into talking about Jesus. I'm sitting in the corner. There's no one there. It's just me in the booth. Then someone sits in the booth next to me. And a lot of times, you know, you can turn your back to the person there if you don't want them being in your world. This guy sat right in front of me, right facing me as I'm reading Witnessing Without Fear. And I'm just like, I know i got to share. I know i got to say something. And I chickened out. And I couldn't do it. And I was just like, ah, I need opportunities. And there's one. And, um, you know, and I just went out later. And I was like, Lord, you gave me an opportunity. And I did not obey. And I'm, I thank you for paying for that sin. You know, you paid for that on the cross. And I please give me another opportunity. And recently I went back as well. And uh, I had an opportunity to share with a guy that I had missed a couple of times earlier. And I sat out. I started talking to him. Uh, started talking about his faith. Gave him a track. And he was telling him, here's how you can know for sure that you go to heaven when you die. And um, But if you're missing opportunities, folks, you know, it's one thing to go, ah, geez, I missed another one. I'm covered by the grace of God. It doesn't matter. Well, yeah, that's different than repenting of sin. That's just uh, just getting in the bad habit and letting sin accumulate. But if God's given you opportunities, take them. And if you don't take them, get honest with God about that. Say, you did give me that opportunity. I totally blew it. Would you give me another? And look for those opportunities. I'm encouraged by Andrew. Um, he, he applied that teaching at Faith Walkers about introducing himself to his classroom at Auraria Campus here. He said, I think three out of his five classes, he, he stood up and said, Hey, you know, I'm a Christian. Um, I want to ask you the question, if you die tonight, how sure are you that you'd go to heaven? If you're not sure, or if you're not 100% sure, talk to me. And I'd love to answer that for you or whatever. But I think if that's an example of making the most of opportunities. If God's prompting your heart and you don't do it, it's easy to go like this, shoot, and I got out of that one. But you might go, God, um, you know, I actually didn't obey you there, and, and I'm ready to obey you now. Because that's the only way you're going to obey this verse is if you walk into those opportunities He gives you. Last one is just think about um, if God's timing. You know, you're praying for someone to be saved. Maybe you're praying in faith. But you know what? Um, you might not know the timing on that. God's like, I've heard your prayer. I'm going to save that person. You just don't realize it's going to be ten years from now. And you don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to be bummed out. It's not happening now. It's not happening 
you know, once you've prayed in faith, and you know God wants to save them even more than you do, He loves them way more than you ever will, um, trust His timing on that. Thank Him that He's got perfect timing. Thank Him that, you know, he, it's, it's under His control. It's nothing's a surprise to Him. So um, those are some things to, um, to think about as far as have no hindrances. Quick review of our action steps here. Um, let's see here. Well, we can just review the, on your handout here. So, the P is for what? Proactively. Be proactive in, in sharing Christ. The R is with what? Good news. Reach with the good news. Reach with the good news. And then there's to who? Everyone everywhere. Alright, and then uh, what's the A? Ask. Ask God for opportunities. Ask God to save people. Ask with faith. Um, then C is catch. Catch God's heart. Catch God's heart and watch out. And then the last one, H. Have no hindrances to being useful to God. Um, and we're going to close just on this last uh, this last verse here. Time, yeah, it's time to close it down here. But um, you know, this is a verse when it, when it comes to the good news. There's several good verses out there you can use, but I think the good news about Jesus can be summarized in one verse. Uh, one of the best ones to do that is John 3:16. You know, and um, we need to make sure we're just allowing people to have an opportunity to respond to the good news here. I love uh, one of the places here, Bill Bright was talking about someone, he was just saying how you can personalize John 3.16. You know, God so loved the world. You know, that means God so loved Amy. God so loved Zach. God so loved, just filling names of people there. God so loved whoever you're talking with that He gave us one and only Son, that, you know, this is one here that you can substitute that whoever believes, you put that if Zach believes, that if Rich believes, that if whoever believes, they shall not perish, but have eternal life. And we need to help people catch, you know, I, I knew, I, I grew up in a church background, I knew Jesus lived and He died for the world. It just took me 24 and a half years to figure out He died for me. And that if I believe, I will not perish but have eternal life. We just need to help people to have that opportunity to respond to the good news. And you know, that's one of my questions to to everyone today. Have you responded to the good news about Jesus? God loves you so much. He wants to have a relationship with you now and for eternity, but we've all sinned against Him. And that sin, He says, uh, our sin will not go unpunished. But if we believe that Jesus took our punishment for us, um, we won't have to perish for it because He did. And we can have eternal life. And my hope is that every one of you would uh, respond to His love and, and tell Him personally, I, I believe He died for me. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And thank Him from there on out. Thank Him for dying for you. Thank Him um, for hearing your prayers to be your Lord, your Savior. And, and then get on with the new life that He has for you. But we're going to close right here with prayer. And... Call more. Well, Lord Jesus, uh, we, we just thank you for your heart. We thank you that in your command, we do catch your heart. One of the reasons you gave it is one of the final commands, one of the focal points of your entire uh, visit on the earth was that it was so important to you to, that everyone would hear the good news about what you've done on the cross, what you freely give, uh, eternal life. Lord, I just pray you'd help each one of us to be proclaimers of the good news. That we wouldn't just have friends because we want to have friends because it's nice to have friends and even to 
nice to say you, you have friends that don't know Christ and so it validates a lot of things. But Lord, I just pray you'd help us to be sharing the good news with those we love. Give us your heart for them. Help us to just to feel your compassion. And help us to obey this verse. There's so many excuses we have. Um, but help us to start to finding just the one command is enough reason to obey this verse for the rest of our lives. We ask for your help in that. Lord, we, we can't do it without you. Help us to be humble when we drop the ball, when we chicken out. Um, but Lord, I just pray that you would use us to bring you great glory as we get the good news out about you. And we just pray you bless this outreach class coming up in the, in the coming weeks here. Use it to equip us uh, and to be skilled with the good news. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, well thank you guys for, for joining us this Sunday. Next Sunday, Jeff is going to hit on the, the part two of the Great Commission as it relates to um, building up um, the, the believers and making disciples. So, And we'll catch you Wednesday night, not at House Church, not at Small Group, on the Auraria campus. Right now we're aiming for the Tivoli Room 320. Um, but if you see an email that says otherwise, go with the email. So uh, thanks again. We'll see you next week.